Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Promo Kitchen Podcast. If you're joining us for the first time, the PK Podcast is a weekly conversation featuring guest suppliers, distributors, and service providers discussing insights into the promotional products business. Uh, my name is Bobby Lehew, and I'm joined, as always, by my friend and co-host, Ed McMahon. Um, hey! Uh, Mark Graham, I meant. Mark Graham. And today we are... I'm kind of uh, real guilty sometimes of hyperbole. And uh, so often launch into things like, we are so excited to have best guest ever, and we've had great guests so far on the PK Podcast, but we have been really wanting to get this guest on the podcast for a while because he's another chef in the kitchen, but this is one of the funniest and I would say nicest guys that I know in an industry. And shortest. And shortest. And shortest is, is, yeah. is Danny Rosen. Danny, have I been pronouncing your last name wrong forever? Is it you Rosen? have been pronouncing it properly. It came from the great Rosini family of Italy somewhere. <laughs> awesome. That's, yes. there, we learned you nailed something. it. Rosin? Do you think it was rosin? Well, or? yeah, I'm from, I'm from Oklahoma. So you, when, you rot, when you ride a bull, you rosin your gloves so that you can hang on longer. So when I read it, I always say <laughs> Danny Rosin. But I knew I'd sound like a hick, so I just chose Rosen because it sounded like a Toronto thing to do. You did it right. And if you were my brother, whose name is John, and you were listening to Charlie Daniels' band, you would hear Johnny Rosin up your bow. There you go, Rosin. Same thing. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly right. Awesome. Yep. Well, uh, Danny is, uh, I may be repeating myself, president co owner at Brand Fuel and also president of Band Together. And if uh, it, it, you can visit Danny's website, brandfuel.com, and Band Together is bandtogethernc.org. Is that right, Danny? Perfect. Nailed it. Can you explain to everyone, before we launch into Brand Fuel, can you tell people what Band Together is about? Because that is super cool what you guys have done. Yeah, sure. Um, I think in a way, um, being a business owner that's involved in the promotional products industry, we get to touch a lot of different businesses and help them grow and do all kinds of things from a brand building perspective uh, and and certainly love that. But um, Band Together really was formed sort of because of the heart side of of, um, of what I'm all about, and and I think everybody's got a desire to do good, and and so I thought, how could I take all that I know and all that I do in marketing and branding and helping businesses, and how can I do that for the community? Um, and so t- September 11th happened. Uh, we all have our stories, and uh, mine goes a little something like this: uh, watching reruns of people jumping to their deaths, uh, sitting with some friends. And uh, crying and wondering what's going on and am I going to work tomorrow? And uh, our offices are right out near the airport. We sent everybody home. We said a little prayer. It was a really uncomfortable time for for a lot of people. And um, and the response that we came up with to what was going on was we wanted to do something. Uh, we knew we weren't going to fly up to New York and pull bodies out of the rubble. I don't think flights were even happening for you know a week or so after that went down and uh, we decided to throw together a um a concert and we had never done it before but we got uh, five bands together and uh we flew in some firefighters from new york and we called it band together for our heroes and the idea was to use the um the platform of live music to raise funds for the families that were adversely affected and um from the tragedy and and these firefighters came down and we we put them up on stage and let them talk, and we treated them like heroes, um, and we celebrated the work that they did. And we had about a thousand people came. This was about th- a three-week endeavor to put together. We put corporate sponsorships in place. Of course, Brandfield donated the imprinted T-shirts and the cups, and <clears throat> we wrote a check for fifty-eight thousand um, dollars after a three-week venture. 
And after that was done, we realized we were onto something great. Um, and, and the greatness of Band Together is, to, at least for me, it's live music. It's building social capital. Um, so it's bringing people together, doing something really fun around music and creating social change uh, in a different way every single year. So we pick a different nonprofit partner. And to date, we've raised over $2 million with our last event wow. about a month ago. Is uh, $566,000. So we're, we're climbing towards those million-dollar events. Um, and we're you know, bigger bands, but still supporting the local music scene. And it's growing, growing, growing. And it's, we love it. That's awesome. Tell us some of the, the big band names you guys have had there. Yeah, interesting. Um, we, are, we, we liken ourselves to the organizational equivalent of a mullet. Um, and <laughs> something, something you'd be you both maybe familiar with. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I have mine right now. Actually, so. I think I still have one. But go ahead, Danny. I think they call that the Canadian passport, the mullet. Um, <laughs> That's true. That is true. true. Yeah. So, uh, the, and the reason why we do that is because we're business in front, where we're working with corporations <laughs> and nonprofits, <laughs> and we're partying back. You know, there's alcohol and there's live music, and it's fun. And That's so, cool. bringing those worlds together is hard. So you're. The answer is we're trying to find bands that resonate for both crowds. And so recently we had uh, the B-52s played. Um, we've also had George Clinton in Parliament Funkadelic. Awesome. Uh, Derek Trucks has played. Oh, love Derek Trucks. Yeah. Sunvolt, if you like that sort of alt-Americana scene. Absolutely. Um, but the best part for me is, and I love seeing all those bands, Michael Franti and Spearhead came out. They're perfect. Uh, but I love supporting the local music and putting them on a, a platform instead of five or six, in front of five or 6,000 people. And and uh, getting them out there and, and really helping them broaden their horizons. And we always write a check. A lot of people think, you know, do, you, do they uh, do it for free? And we want to support the music, and that's a part of our mission. That's awesome. You know, uh, what's fascinating about that is that knowing you, if um, I don't know how many people get Danny messages from Facebook, music shares. Mark, you're probably not high up enough on the friend list, but <laughs> I, I get – like Danny shares these songs. I have discovered more. No, I haven't. Danny has discovered more music for me by sending me music. Am I the only one? Am I going to offend people? Or am I the only Not one at all, with? man. Yeah. I, I think I was put on this earth to share like and give and music sharing and now Spotify and already all the, all this great tools out there. One way to do it. Well, you're the biggest music fan I know. And I have discovered to this day, I, I run like five days a week and, and I have, I'll bet half my playlist for a good run is music that you have sent to me. So thank you very much. Yeah, right on. That's nice to hear. Thank you. And uh, I, 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 go ahead, Mark. I was going to say that, uh, Danny, I, um, I don't know if you remember this, but it was about two years ago that I requested your friendship on Facebook. And I go in every day and I still see friend request pending or, you know, <laughs> it hasn't been accepted yet. And I, I'm just I, – I, I, I'm – Bobby's talking about this and I just oh, – I'm very offended. But um, – <laughs> I've got CD. Danny has sent me CD. Yeah, me too. Probably about three hundred songs, and yeah. they're awesome. Like a lot of you know, like swamp rock music, and yeah. you know, just uh, just stuff that I had not previously been exposed no, to. So what's, Danny's the, been a good friend. And, and, and you know, it's it's the first mixtape I've ever gotten from a guy. And what what's interesting <laughs> is that he is so particular about it. It's all music that you would love. I mean, the guy just he just. I think that's just a huge huge thing uh but it, yeah. so Danny, let's get let's get into brand fuel a little bit um i have to tell you that i have had logo envy from the first time i saw brand fuel i saw that logo and i went oh man i wish that was our logo um uh, it is just one of the coolest brands uh out Thanks. there 
Um, tell us a little bit about Brandfield, how long you've been in business and kind of you guys, what, what, what are some of your core business that, that you guys do? Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny. I'm, I'm one of those guys that got into this business, um, selling shirts in college door to door, trying to make a buck. And I went to UNC Chapel Hill and we were selling anti-Duke t-shirts and a lot of them to rabid Carolina fans, but I developed a relationship with a local printer offered me a commission-based job. I love commission-based jobs. A lot of people don't. They need that security. I'm sort of a go-get-it-done kind of guy, and and I did very well. And, and um, in 1998, after being uh, full-time in it with this, what I would call a warmed-over flower child type of screen-printing guy um, who was not really focused on you know corporate business and wasn't really looking at uh, you know, long-term objectives and vision like I had. Um, I was a little more ambitious. You know, Robert Fiveash, my my best friend growing up. And uh, I mean, we we played three sports together in high school. We we shared girlfriends, not at the same time. Um, <laughs> we we uh, we had an affinity for music, which brings us together. Um, but I think more than anything else, there was just a um, a bond of of trust and respect uh, for each other, even when we were younger and, and getting in a lot of trouble together. Um, I think we always took the high road. And Robert has has been someone that. I've always valued his opinion. He was my stockbroker for years when I was first in the industry, and he was tired of that, and I was ready to start something new, and he sent me a nice letter saying, hey, Ben and Jerry's, uh, Bert and Ernie, um, <laughs> he gave me this whole lit- litany of you know <laughs> partnerships that were very funny, and then he added Rosen and Five Ash, and I, I really had to think about that for a while. Nice you don't want to it. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe it's Five Ash and Rosen, but I like I like the other way. Yeah, um, you don't want to be sued by those guys. But go ahead. <laughs> so, so, Robert, y- well, go ahead. No, 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 go. You finish. You finish. It would be yes. easier if we were doing this in person. But uh, no, I got. I have a good question. You finish. You finish. Sure. So, Robert, um, Robert made me realize very quickly that uh, there were certain things that I brought to the table that he didn't, and, and vice versa. Um, and he really came in with that sort of. Um, he had he just uh, graduated from business school, and uh, he had management skills, and he had finance and operations, and just a sharp guy that I trusted with my life. Um, and 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 I had the marketing and the industry background and the sales skills and the relationships. And uh, I know it f- seemed like a perfect fit, but they say don't go into business with your partner, uh, your friends or your family. And um, and I think we're an aberration in that space. And uh, yeah. maybe that's something we can, can talk a little bit about. But that was 14, 15 years ago. And, and since then, we have, you know, we've, we've done some fun things together. It's not always easy, um, but uh, there's still a lot of love there. What what is the I beat Mark to the punch? What is the secret to your guys successful? Because that is rare a partnership to last. What do you? I mean, you obviously have covered some of it, uh, mm-hmm. but I'm sure you've encountered challenges and different different things. What's the secret? There's I mean I think there's a lot of secrets. Uh, one is uh, you need to have a, a partnership break somehow um, along the way, and two and I mean that in two ways. You need to sort of you know take a breather. You know, and and not get heated when there's a, a difficult issue, and also have a, a person who can be um, the tie break. Um, so we have someone on our management team who comes in and either helps us work through the issues because we some often don't see eye to eye because we're so very different and yet mutual respect for each other, or and this is an honest to god truth, we use a promotional product sometimes when the the decision isn't too. Uh, heavy, we'll we'll break out the eight ball and ask it, and <laughs> we go with wherever it lands. Um, there but you go. The most yeah, the most important thing is money. I, I think if if you really were honest with yourself and you looked in the mirror and you said, um, 
you know, what are you battling about? You know, it's someone not putting enough time or bringing enough value or making enough money for the company. Um, and Robert and I are both hardworking guys. We believe in each other. We love our staff. Um, you know, we're constantly trying to learn and get better. And all those things are obviously so very important. And when you separate the money aspect, you know, one day when we have an exit strategy together and, and we decide to exit the industry, if we ever do, I know that we're not going to battle over money. You, you've you've got it on tape now. Um, it's it's not going to be about money. We've worked hard together, and it's going to be even. He's he's brought as much value to this organization and, and in different ways than I have, and and I feel like I'm doing the same thing. And, and I think we're going to have an equitable arrangements at the end of the day. I have enjoyed right. really hanging out with Robert. Um, I love talking with him. He's a smart guy. He's uh, cerebral. Uh, yes. uh, intense, um, but I man, I really enjoy. Uh, we haven't been able to do it often enough, but I have enjoyed the times we've been able to hang. Well, I think if you look at the hallmark of really any great partnership, it's when you've got, you know, you've got one person that zigs and the other person that zags, and and um, you know, I I've, I've seen that with you two guys as I've known you for the last couple of years. Um, yeah, it's just funny, funny guys. Um, I've got a question for you. you know, not so much about the partnership side of it, Danny, but you've got two offices. So you're in Virginia, and you've and you've also got an office in in North Carolina. From a from a culture perspective, um, how do you navigate that that uh, terrain where you've got uh, two offices, potentially two different cultures? One's run by Robert, one's run by you. Um, how has that worked for you? Because I think there's a likely a, a number of distributors on this phone call or on this on this podcast that would be that that struggle with the idea of how to grow a company beyond just one physical location. I think you guys have done a good job with it. And and did you add did you to add to that uh, so you can answer all in one? Did you go buy cheap lawn furniture and paint it red like Mark did? <laughs> oh yeah, Jesus. You always start out with the yeah the cheap stuff first. Although you know we took a different approach um, when we first started in North Carolina. We said let's go high end. Um, we stayed away from the lawn furniture like right sleeve, um, yeah. but we what we wanted I just to fell create off my chair again. <laughs> <laughs> All right, just we wanted me. <laughs> we wanted to create. Uh, yes, I, I, this sounds horrible, but it's really just like like I want to be honest because I think people need to know this. We wanted to be smoke and mirrors. We wanted to pretend like we were bigger than we actually were. Um, we were smart enough to realize that uh, we weren't smart enough, and so we reached. <laughs> you know, we we reached out to a lot of folks to uh, in our support network um, to help us through those first couple of years. Um, and I'll get to your question in a second, but I think it's important to know that we invested in a nice showroom space when we didn't have customers. You know, we invested in a nice brand and and took a lot of. Um, Took a lot of put a lot of energy and effort into the the brand and and what that meant to us and we instead of just you know slapping our logo on a catalog you know we we took a different approach to that and we you know we went out and saw our customers and we sat and we consulted with them and we had discovery um, documents we sat down and we answered. And we had crazy things like um, we talked about the five senses of your brand, and we'd ask our customers, you know, what does your brand smell like? And we took this agency approach. We didn't know what the hell we were doing to an extent, um, and yet people were saying these guys are different. And what we heard from supplier reps who were coming into our offices, they were like, you know, the uh, your competitors down the road, they're freaking out. 
And a lot of it was just the facade of, you know, this, this business that opened up right in the heart of the triangle and, you know, this cool logo and these young people. And, you know, we were talking about promotional products in a different way. So smoke and mirrors to begin with, as we grew, we opened up that uh, branch in Virginia. And, and what I would say is if you're going to do it, you start small. You uh, took a crawl, walk, run approach. And now we pogo stick um, <laughs> because it is it, we get it. Um, but we started with a very small office, and uh, and we intentionally, you know, just hired one person, and then we you know took on a second and a third. We didn't just hire five people and try and train them all at the same time. Um, and Robert, I think he had a real tough time because the resources are in what you know. I guess we have to call our home office headquarters, but we try and treat those offices um, as equals, um, and so. For a long time, you know, we were getting all the free spec samples in North Carolina because we were a bigger office. Now we make a concerted effort to always think about our Virginia office, which is big, but not as big as where we are, where most of the resources are. And we want to make sure that, um, and I think he feels, and everybody there feels like when we do those sorts of things, making sure the rep gets to our Virginia office or we get, you know, perks there as well. Um, yeah. They really respect that, and that's important. But we get people together uh, during the holidays, um, the ASI and PPAI shows. We bring all our team together. Um, that's certainly a learning opportunity. But for us, um, sort of the ancillary opportunity for us is all about team building, and um, and that's the time of the year, along with the holidays, when you know we're we're connected. And the best part is we haven't seen a lot of. Um, Turnover in our company, which is great. So it's the same old familiar people working together, which is it could be good or not good, but for us, it's been really healthy. Well, it's been working eight consecutive consecutive years on Promo One Hundred, Top One Hundred Small Businesses in North Carolina. You guys have had so many awards: Counselor Magazine's Hot List, Forty Under Forty, Twenty Up and Comers, Triangle Area Top Entrepreneur Award. Uh, the list goes on. Um, when I look at Brand Fuel, you guys have d- tried to do some unique things, Danny. What are some of the what are some of the, what do you think are the core aspects that set Brandfield apart? Yeah, it's always a good question. You know, I think when we were when we were born, we were the scrappy, you know, trying to be bigger than we were, off the wall, little quirky company that was um, very tech driven. Always have been a tech driven company. Um, I think we were one of the first in those early years in '98. We started looking at the old company catalog and from scratch we spent you'll laugh at this Bob, we spent ninety thousand dollars on an online store e-commerce platform you know, that you can get free today um, right pretty much. Um, but but you know that opened a wow. lot of doors for us um, and so today the difference I think is that um, you know, we take the online store platform and uh, and a lot of the the approach to business which is um, focusing on medium and large size, size clients and, and just about any vertical, and we dissect each client departmentally now. Uh, so back in the day, it was like marketing, marketing, marketing. Today, it's, okay, let's work on your HR. Let's work on your sales department. Let's work on marketing. Let's bring all that together because often they're not doing it. We have an opportunity to bring them together. Even when we're doing some promotional products, we're having conversations with them. Well, marketing's doing this. So this isn't going to work for you guys. What if we... We marry those concepts. Uh, and so going back to the online store, how we get in the door with these uh, medium and large size clients, we've created services and experiences around um, promotional products. So we're, we're trying to um, break down the, the commodity-based you know, fears that we all have. We're in a commodity industry. We know it, uh, like it or not, that it, it's just the truth. And if, if we can create experiences around promotional products, 
then we have something more to talk about to those medium and large size clients to open up those doors. So when we talk to HR, we talk to them about our experience with Band Together. Hey, we're doing really good things in the community, and this is how we're doing it. We suit our team up and the volunteers with branded T-shirts. They feel real connected. And um, employees at Brand Fuel, for example, if they ever want to do anything in the community and and not uh, get dinged PTO, you know, we give them paid time off to do anything they want in the community. It's got to be approved by your manager, and I can't think of a time we haven't done it. But if you go and volunteer for a band together in the middle of the day for an opportunity or go build a Habitat house, we're going to pay you for that. But we're going to send you out in a Brand Fuel t-shirt so that you can communicate that, hey, I'm a Brand Fuel employee doing good in the community. So how does that relate to promotional products and the experiences? Talk to an HR department. They're doing things in the community with their employees. How are they recognizing those people? And so we can create a way to recognize them with the T-shirts or hire a a photographer to go on site to take pictures of them building the Habitat house. And then we go to the sales department and say, hey, guys, HR is doing this for employees or trying to create a morale thing here. Um, I think you guys should be a part of that, and here's why. You should ask your customers to come out and be involved in that Habitat for Humanity building experience and give them the branded T-shirts with your logo. And let's get a picture of your customers or your prospects building a house with you. And to me, there's more value in that than taking them out to dinner or beer or going to golf or the booby bar or wherever you want to go, right? So the idea is to create experiences around promotional products. You've got the camera guy. He's taking pictures. Put it in a branded photo frame. It's fantastic. That's fantastic. So, yes. Uh, Mark, by the way, tech, tech stands for technology. Um, <laughs> so, uh, oh, well, yeah, I had to, I had uh, a couple you of technicians, I had a couple of technicians that were helping me get on Skype today <laughs> and uh, Google doesn't really run. I've heard of it, but it doesn't work on dial up here. So <laughs> right, um, right. I re- read about it in the New York Times. Right. I, the, I love the, uh, Danny, I love the emotional connectedness to promotional products and our brand and the feeling. The way that, that's a huge thing to point out to clients and prospects and people that you work with. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I guess if there's, around the experiences, um, when we started in 2008, I think a lot of people sort of crawled under a rock and prayed, you know, how are we going to get out of this? And there were layoffs and people yeah. got back on marketing. And I think even companies in the marketing space like, like ours, we we cut back to an extent. And then we were saying, no, spend. You've got to be in front of customers. You've got to try new things. Um, and on that note, Branchio was very successful in, um, in working on <clears throat> these experiences and doing some, some things that we didn't have shelf space for in 2008 and before because we were so busy. We were able to create um, Survey Fuel, which is a, is a platform we use through our online store where you connect a survey to an incentive or reward. Answer the survey and get not a Starbucks gift card. That's not branded, unless you're Starbucks. Um, it's not a chance to win an iPad because everybody's, you know, thinking that's not going to happen. Um, the truth is that you give them a really nice branded product. Let's say it's a T-shirt or stainless steel water bottle. We know that we can sell it to our customers for five or seven bucks. Perceived value to the consumer answers the survey may see that that value is 10 or $15, and they're more apt to respond. You're thanking them for their business insights. You give them a branded product. And, and our feeling there was, man, you go to a trade show, which is big business for us. I'm sure it is for you guys too. But what happens there? We talk about the adult trick-or-treaters. They walk up, and they just grab a bunch of stuff, and they leave. And there's no quid pro quo at all. So how can you look at that as a, as a valuable investment in your marketing dollars? You don't. But with Survey Fuel. 
you're getting something for something. And you know, I tie that to the sales team again. So marketing saying, we need data to see how we can change our business. And what are we going to do to improve? Well, well, there's no more, or you shouldn't be doing top-down um, business management anymore. We need to listen to people, right? So it's more bottom-up. Survey provides that opportunity to answer and get feedback from customers. And once they go through the, the um, survey process, they pick their product through our online store. We drop ship it, make it easy for our customers, and they get the feedback. And as soon as they get the feedback, some of the questions should be leading for their sales team to be able to follow up after the gift is received. So a salesperson calls up, Mark calls up his customer and says, hey, uh, did you get that product we sent to you? Yeah, I did. They're more apt to pick up the phone. And uh, by the way, you mentioned that you know, our service levels were really high here, but you weren't happy here. Let's talk about that and make it right. So a lot of our clients at first say, well, that's, you know, that's like $10 with freight to, to buy a sports bottle and ship it out. Um, that's just too much. What 4,000 people answer? That's when I jump up and down because we have a big sale. But uh, the truth is they've got more responses. They've got more feedback to make adjustments on their business. And then it gives the sales team an opportunity to sort of make a warm call and get better. Yeah, that's awesome. By the way, for folks that are curious about that, go to brandfuel.com and you'll see Survey Fuel and Fuel Kit, too. I have a question about that. We just lost Mark, so maybe we can catch him uh, later. We're having some technical difficulties. He's probably needed someone to help him come and figure things out because you know how he is with tech. Um, yeah, right. Uh, so uh, on, uh, you guys do kidding and program business. Um, what what advice do you have for folks that are how to, uh, getting into that, and how do you size up opportunities, and what kind of landmines do you need to watch out for, whether it's stores or uh, you're kidding too. I think that's a that's a cool option. Yeah, kidding. Um, the fuel kit program is is the one thing right now I will say is really taking off. Um, so again, I think dissecting your customer departmentally, looking at different departments, how they may be able to use any kind of fulfillment um, or kidding project. Um, for HR, uh, it's onboarding typically. You know, new hires get some sort of a kit from the from the employer, um, and that and it's just it looks good. You know, they start the first day and they've got. Their forms, they've got the journal book, the flash drive with the video of the CEO saying, welcome to our company. Um, they've got the pen, the you know, all the stuff, the T-shirt to say welcome, and that feels really good. Um, we take that a step further, and we approach um, the employees' families because we feel like um, HR, even though there's not a lot of money there uh, to spend on you know, added, added things like uh, the family, Family, if they can make a good, valuable reason um, for doing it, drop ship a kit to uh, a family uh, and say, hey, and it's a nice fleece blanket or something that would go in the home to say, hey, you're now a part of our family. You know, We're looking forward to having so-and-so um, work with us, and we hope to see you at the company picnic or whatever. So we look at ways to use kidding projects, sales, obviously outbound prospecting, uh, marketing. You know, there's all kinds of ways to market with those kidding projects, marketing collateral plus the other, um, and for membership groups, we work with a lot of membership groups, alumni groups, and things like that. You know, donor kits. Um, you know, connected to uh, donor levels, and then, and then, of course, certainly uh, to get them to sign on and become members. You can send out a kit on the front end, uh, and so we look at that not just a one and done, but we try and look at it in terms of a program. So that's one piece of advice. Look at it from a year out. Let's do a quarterly mailing. Let's tie it in with themes each quarter. Let's look at what you're marketing. Let's get that in front of customers in advance. Let's create a way to open a PO for $100,000 versus $25,000. Um, and the other thing I think is important is 
aligning yourselves with the right uh, suppliers. I mean, I, the suppliers in this industry are great. Um, you know, there are a handful that are awful. I love the rating systems. I think that's yeah. great. Sort yeah. of Web 2.0. Right. It's very important. Um, and I think that the really good suppliers, when they hear about a targeting larger clients and opportunities where there's kidding involved in a, in a program business, they really want to help. Not necessarily in giving better prices, although they can do that, but they will give you good ideas of what would work. Mm -hmm. um, and you need to find a good packaging company and you need to look at eco-friendly alternatives, which I think is really important because packaging is is so important, but a lot of that stuff ends up in the landfill and we need to do our best in, in the industry to keep that from happening. Um, and then I guess uh, last is you know, either you're doing fulfillment in-house or you're outsourcing it, have a plan around that, do a lot of proofing, make sure you give yourself enough runway because those programs take a lot longer um, and, you know, have it all mapped out. Um, the last part is, I think, uh, just, you know, marketing that service. Um, it's easy to talk yeah, about it, but right. we, you know, we, we put some marketing around it, which has made it really um, viable, I think, when someone watches the video and they go, oh, that's really, they've got it together. Right. It's easier to sell. Yeah, uh, on the on things like to the kidding, you guys obviously do that in house. Uh, mm -hmm. A lot of that in house. I think one of the common comments I hear distributors make is, "I don't want to get into that. That's all just too labor intensive. I don't want to mess with it." But you know what, Brandfield doesn't have Brandfield doesn't have a value proposition issue. Mm -hmm. And when distributors are, you know, we when we talk about the problem, which I think is really not a problem of buying direct, so to speak. Um, buying direct is not the issue, the biggest issue. I think the biggest issues distributors face today is getting so commoditized that they have absolutely no value proposition. And Amen. because what you guys are providing in terms of multiple services and you're broadcasting it well, you guys don't have a value proposition issue and you're gonna be you're gonna you're just your business is gonna keep growing. So for those folks that go, I don't really want to get into that, you didn't even have to have those employees doing that work for you. There are ways that you can outsource it, but you do need to look at ways to provide a broader service base to your clients. Agree, 100%. And going back to the smoke and mirrors comment um, of our early days when we were trying to pretend we were bigger, like we were bigger than we are, now we, um, you know, we're really honest about, you know, our size and you know, we're, we're, you know, we're fairly large in terms of numbers, employees and locations and having a fulfillment center and all that stuff. Um, but I, I just, I like sitting down doing a presentation with a, you know, a company that's got offices in 60 countries and 22,000 employees. And I know we're going up against Staples and some of these other very big companies that are, yeah. are well-versed and, and uh, you know, having office locations. They've got big money and, and they've got robust websites and resources beyond belief. But I think where we win is, is in that value prop. And because we really try to understand our clients' businesses, and that's something too. It, your value prop, you may not, you may be too... Um, frustrated trying to get fulfillment working and packaging and all that stuff but um, I think if you stick to it you'll figure it out but yeah. I think it's really important to understand your customer it's easy just to slap a logo on a pen and sell it to them if that's what they want um, but their objectives one thing we didn't talk about with fuel kits I should have the kidding project um, we have one program right now that's very large connected to a sales team and the sales team is getting points on a quarterly basis use them or lose them 400 points to pick their own products from their storefront that we built for them. And every time that they select a product using their points to go out and see a customer because they think Susan's going to really want the flash drive, but John's going to want the, uh, the journal book. Um, 
you know, we know they, they have a feeling there, so they choose now. Marketing doesn't choose for them. We connect that to their CRM. So I would approach companies with uh, large sales forces, uh, fairly decentralized, and they need tools. And we provide in this industry great tools for sales teams to go out and prospect and thank people for business and, and get in front of them. But what the CRM tells the manager who reviews that, and certainly the salesperson if they track it properly, it's an activity to be in front of a, a prospect. It's an activity to leave a promotional product behind. And if it's tracked properly, you can look at how many things you left behind, how many meetings you had, those without products and those with products, and you can actually somewhat determine your investment in this promotional products space, right? Yeah. Well, you know what I think most people will find surprising, too, is that clients are – more than ha happy to pay additional fees for all of the, the the kidding and things like that. There's no reason to, to plummet margins at all by uh, increasing your operating costs because the clients themselves don't want to do it. They, I, I often communicate to them that, that we help you do things like this so that you can focus on mission-critical objectives. And this is a part of a mission-critical objective, but, you know, marketing team does not need to be assembling packets for folks. That's what we do best, and, and that's what you guys do. It's just fantastic. Um so, Danny, if we've got some, we've obviously got some folks that are in their first, second year of business. You've already kind of shared a little bit of this. What what advice do you have for them as they're trying to grow their business? First and foremost, I would say figure the branding thing out for yourself. Um, man, I just you know Tom's promotional products that doesn't cut it. Um, yeah. I'm not going to put my money in Fred's bank. Right. Um, so. I think it's really important for you to understand your own business uh, and what the brand not just looks like. I'm not just talking about a logo, but what it feels like to you. Is it is it quirky? You know, is it really sophisticated? Is it smart? Is it is it just tactical in nature? Um, you know, what are the things? You know, break out the whiteboard and start using those adjectives and 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 look at your logo and maybe you know refresh it to some extent. I, I would invest in that. Uh, and and I, you know our logo you mentioned I love it too it got tired for me uh, but I will say when we came up with this it was a little bit before 2001 the first logo we wanted to have was a uh, was a character on roller skates with these little flames behind his roller skates and he had a little rocket on his back with another flame it was sort of like a spy versus spy character right. and he was moving really fast because we thought we're in this industry like fun stuff is like young and energetic and fuel and now I look back at that first um, blush logo that we came up with and I'm like he's a little terrorist on roller skates because he's got a little bomb <laughs> on his back oh no yeah so thinking through some of that stuff yeah. but I think if you're on the front end you've got a great brand and you understand your own brand and what it is and what you want to be I think you'll represent very well in front of your customers um I think it's also important to look at um, nurturing your team. Uh, you probably don't have a very large team at this point in time, but let's say it's one or two people. You might have an admin person, and you might have another salesperson or a coordinator, someone is supporting your sales. Um, uh, take great care of your people is something that's really important, and not just in terms of pay. Teach them. Let them learn to be you because as you grow and get successful, you'll realize that um, you can't do everything. And if you're empowering people to do more and feeling responsible and letting go because we're all sort of type A characters in this world, I think, of running business, um, I think you will be able to sustain yourself in the long run uh, much, much better. And 
people, there'll be uh, employee retention. They'll appreciate the, the fact that you've given them more responsibility and reward them for that and make sure that you're enjoying what you're doing. I think that's one thing that if, if there's anything in our partnership, Robert and I, we, we have lots of things that we've, we face in terms of challenges and, you know, growth objectives and struggles, you know, during the dot-com days and, and the economic crushing that we all felt over the last several years. Um, but we always go back to trying to have fun and it's the pranks in the office and, and just remembering that you got to enjoy what you do and be passionate about what you're selling, obviously. Um, we sell a really fun product. I mean, people feel good when you when they get something free, yeah. or you know. And so that that's a big part of it. Remember why you're doing it, not just about money. It's a shame that it took me years to to get to that. I mean, you, this is what how many years? Fifteen for yeah, you, Danny. 15, yep. uh, it does take a long time for you to get to that point where you're like, you know what? I'm going to. I'm going to relax a little bit more. Never, not that you couldn't just leave it behind entirely. But when when we were involved in getting in Promo Kitchen started, I'll never forget the best advice you had for all of us. There's, there's you know, twelve egos in the room. We're all talking about some things we want to do with this. And at the very end, Danny, you looked at everybody and you said, "Um, guys, let's have fun." And it was like a wake up call. It was like, oh yeah, that's why we're. I mean, this is a this is like a side gig. It's it's not yeah. even our normal gig. And to me, that just really really resonated. Um, you did something recently with your staff. You had a did you have a jazz band show up and surprise them? Yeah, yeah. I think it's important too. I, I mean, Robert and I joke about doing things all the time, and then um, you know some some of these things happen, some of these things don't. But I think when you have like a real good sort of. I don't know, feeling that you just do something quirky or recognize someone or say something nice. I mean, just go do it. And uh, I don't know, it was several months ago we had people came to work on a Friday morning and it was, you know, 8, 830. And I had a, a live band playing in our North North Carolina office. And um, <laughs> and the fun, and they had no idea. It was a complete surprise. Um, the whole office was talking and they knew I was behind it because the whole music thing. But I didn't tell anybody. And, uh, and they were all taking pictures and posting them on Facebook. And what was interesting to see was um, – they enjoyed it, and it was sort of just off the wall, and and it was just a, a nice way to say, hey, let's have some fun today. Um, we're we're a different agency. Let's like always explore that somehow. Um, and here's a really clear way that we're doing it. Uh, but I love the posts that that went up on their personal Facebook pages, and then what followed afterwards. I want to work at Brandfield. Where is this place? That's what do you awesome. mean you have a band in your kitchen or your showroom? <laughs> That's great. And that felt really great. That's cool. Well, hey, man, before we close, is there anything else that you wanted to say? Anything, any topic, any other comments you want to make? Yeah, um, I think we're, I think we talk out in this industry about being solutions providers and consultants and all that, and all that stuff is really important. Um, you know, in conversation with customers, um, even high level customers have been buying this stuff for a long time. You know, they talk, they still say tchotchkes, which is, you know, every time someone says tchotchkes or trinkets and trash, a little piece of me dies. Yeah. Um, you know? <laughs> right. Um, and so I think maybe the point is, and I, I'm curious how you address this, Bobby. When people say it, what do you do? Um, and what I'm trying to do now is get out on the front end of it. And so if it's not yeah. someone I've ever worked with before, I usually just say, 
hey, we're the trinkets and trash guys, you know. We just we sort of laugh it off, and we say, really, no, we, we, like, we hate that. So don't ever say that because it, a little piece of us dies. We take this stuff really seriously, and we're going to have some fun with it. And we turn it upside down right there so they know we're different. And, you know, we don't like the fact that they say it, but they're saying it behind our back. They're saying it right in front of us and not realizing that it's a yeah. slap to your face. But how do you guys address that? Well, that's a great question, Danny. You know, I, I we have not – I have not been combative directly when somebody will, will say that. But here's my uh, my opinion is that we as distributors should be fighting this with uh, very proactive stories about what our products are doing for our clients in this past year we've really focused on the old-fashioned case history but because of the social web um, it's it's like a story that a really good story we have stories to tell every day I, I tell distributors all the time who want to get into communicating better about their brand and what they do I said you know you have great stories crossing your threshold every day they're called orders an order for a nonprofit an order right. for this an order for that and that is achieving some objective somewhere and if you can look for the story you'll find it and I think the way to combat that is to prove to our audience what these things do and uh, I, I think that's the number one way to fight it is to actually get in a far more creative mode and not necessarily attack it directly but prove so that people go oh wow that was really cool what you guys did for that company and what they what they achieved with that project it's like when you're talking to a client and prospect it, to me it's a, a rookie move to say something like oh we just did some pens for so and so I mean rather you've got to yeah. tell them that you, you've worked on an employee morale campaign or you helped increase trade show traffic increase leads you yeah. know introduce a new product to market you build a wellness campaign whatever it is and explain how you did it yeah. you know it's like that product is just that we're selling is the, is the thing the conduit to, to helping them and I think they'll look at it in a different perspective as well yeah you know Danny the single great greatest marketing tactic we have done in our 20-year history is we do a weekly story email every Friday. Our, our email list gets a uh, that the week story, and our culture finally, our team finally started to understand that we are on the hunt for the best story in the building. And every week, our brilliant marketing director, Brian Blake, he's fantastic. He's a brilliant copywriter, um, writes this story in a very compelling way. And this last week, it was about a sonic air freshener. Well, like you just said about the pin order, the Sonic Air Freshener, the way he wrote the story and the, what it did for that particular franchisee and the way we jumped through hoops, the funny thing, we don't we don't talk about us a lot. We talk about the client and the project. And in, internally, we always ask the question, who's the hero of our story? Hero of our story is not us, it's our client. So mm -hmm. but prior to this, we would have bragged about maybe our service or the product, and mm -hmm. we would have been pushing, pushing stuff to people. But now what we're doing is just telling a compelling story as short as we can, but it's about that objective. And it's not dry. It's actually kind of fun. And today, uh, here it gives you an example of – I should, probably shouldn't be saying this on the air, but you know how when you look at your analytics, you can tell who opens mm -hmm. your emails? Mm -hmm. uh, Gary V opened this one this morning. I thought nice. that was kind of funny. Yeah. yeah. But uh, you know, getting comments from people. Uh, Ann Hanley re responded to that email uh, with marketing profs with uh, – uh, you know, it was uh, you know it was on the uh, Cherry Limeade uh, uh, product and just with a kind of a yum response. It was kind of cool. Mm -hmm. But, you know – if a year ago or two years ago, if we threw a koozie special at somebody in an email box, they wouldn't have responded to that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So Love I think it. that's what we're talking about when we talk about how to combat the tchotchkes idea. I think it's that we need to do a better job. Distributors, we've been lazy in terms of just getting low-hanging fruit sales, and now we got to work a little harder to uh, tell our compelling story. Tchotchkes rule. There you go. <laughs> 
Remember the Tchotchke well, Lounge? Yeah, that was fantastic for our <laughs> listeners that don't know. Oh, I got to figure out a way to post that. You know, is it okay with you if I post that to the uh, oh, the, the yeah. PK post on this? Okay, we'll yeah, do that. Jake, so Jake Corolla gets some get some perks for that. Uh, he's a brilliant guy. He's a fun guy. Uh, okay, Danny, anything else before we close? I uh, appreciate you having me. Hey, man. You know what? I'm going to do – I'm going to put – it's on record for me saying I'm going to get – I know this is hard to do, but I'm going to get Robert Fiveash on a conversation, a recorded conversation, a podcast one of these days because the guy is brilliant and is. Um, I I just enjoy talking to him. So um, I won't hound him, but I'll just keep at it. It may be He'll five do years. It. Oh, okay. You guys have an affinity for each other, and uh, Robert is – he's brilliant. But he's also sexy, and that's the thing that I love about him most. Just now that we're on the air, everybody knows. I love him. Uh, hey, one more before we close comment. Before we close, Mark, since Mark's off the air, is there anything we can talk about behind his back? Uh, the glasses. Oh, God, there's just too much material. We probably better not. Way too much. Way too much. What? Yeah. Let's just post some stuff on Facebook. Yeah, Tw- tweet about it. I don't think that he's on any either of those platforms. No, I we'll let him know what it is. It's, it's social for me. Social media is kind of new to him, so I'll help him out. <laughs> Danny, thanks, man. This has been a lot of fun. And, yeah, thank uh, you. Bob. I really appreciate you. And I really appreciate your friendship uh, through the years. Yeah, right on. Me too. All right, take care, buddy. Yep. Bye bye.